In the NBA, while there are teams seen as hot championship candidates, there are also popular teams who are not considered as serious title contenders. For example, the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Los Angeles Clippers, and the Memphis Grizzlies belong to this category this season. Welcome back to CGTN Sports Talk. I am your host Li Xiang. Let's start in the Eastern Conference with the Cavaliers. The team will for sure finish the regular season as fourth in the East and then meet the New York Knicks in the first round of the playoffs. The Cavaliers have the NBA's best big man pair, Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. An explosive shooting guard, Donovan Mitchell, who has scored 71 points this, in one game this season, and an All-Star caliber point guard, Darius Garland. Wait, who do they put in the small forward position? Their usual options are Caris Levert, Isaac Okoro, Jetty Osman, Dean Wade, and Lamar Stevens. They also signed Danny Green, who may be able to swing up to number three. Four of those guys. Lavert, Okoro, Stevens, and Green are undersized as small forwards. Osman and Wade are big enough, but neither is good at providing help defense. When Mitchell or Garland, both of which are really, really big defensive weakness, is beaten from the perimeter, the Cavaliers can cope with the situation in the regular season by counting on the mobility and size of Mobley, who is likely to finish in top three. In this year's NBA Defensive Player of the Year voting, Mobley plays an integral role in the team's defensive system by doing the work of Giannis Antetokounmpo, who scans the court defensively and appears everywhere. However, if Mobley has to cover for Mitchell or Garland in every position, he will leave Allen very vulnerable in the paint. By the way, though the Cavaliers have Allen and Mobley, they're only average in rebounding, both offensively and defensively. When the game turns white hot, as it often does in the postseason, they will be in a very unfavorable situation on this front. More so if, say, Mobley is distracted out or Allen has to sit on the bench to improve spacing for the Cavaliers. Remember, neither Mobley nor Allen shoots reliable three-pointers. When the Cavaliers traded heavily to land Donovan Mitchell, they needed someone. Who could break the ice for the team when the competition becomes a deadlock? Mitchell is capable of doing that, but only at a cost of shooting way more field goals than anyone else in the team. He and Garland so far have shown no sign of combining their forces to make a bigger contributions. You know, like one plus one are bigger than two. By the way, so far I haven't seen really good chemistry between Mitchell and any of his teammates, including Garland, including Mobley, including Allen, or whoever they put in the small forward position. Instead, both Mitchell and Garland are play like taking the charge in turns. Since neither of them has been well known for high efficiency, it will be very uneasy for them to give what the team wants in clutch time. Next, let's turn to the Western Conference and start with the Grizzlies, which. Are likely to lock in as number two in the conference. There is is no doubt John Morant. He was involved in some off-court trouble this season, but that doesn't seem to plague him. Jaron Jackson Jr., or as I call him now, Jay Kubik, continues to grow this season and makes better performance on both offense and defense. 
Before we enter real analysis,、uh, I want to make it clear that my standard for a title contender is that the team must at least have the potential to reach the conference finals. The Grizzlies last season were stopped by the Golden State Warriors in the West semifinals. This time, Morant is healthier. Jay Kubik has improved his skills, but I still don't think they can do better than they did last season. First, Stephen Adams has no clear return timetable. He sets the best screen for Morant to speed up to either shoot floaters in the air or charge the rim. Adams is also the Grizzlies' rebounding spine. Without him, the team loses the league's best offensive rebounder and a solid protector of the defensive rebounds. The Grizzlies benched him during most of their playoff games last season, which turned out to be a mistake. Second, the Grizzlies still have the NBA's second-best defensive rating, but their defense took a big hit after D'Antoni Melton left. Their wing defensive depth is still good, but more vulnerable to foul trouble. Dylan Brooks is good at guarding perimeter players and tussling with power in the low block, again at the cost of committing 3.3 personal fouls in 30 minutes. Not to mention that Brooks is unable to protect the paint. Jackson Jr. basically has to shoulder most of their work of protecting the rim. He is a good enough defender to do a lot of the job. But that's also why he commits too many fouls as well and plays only 28 minutes per game as a result. The Grizzlies' biggest problem is still Morant. He is supposed to raise the team's offensive ceiling because the rest of the Grizzlies lack the consistent way to score, including Jay Kubik. But Morant becomes a defensive liability when he is on the court. It's understandable and acceptable that Stephen Curry targeted Morant in the playoffs, but not so much when Patrick Beverly also attacked Morant constantly by choice in last year's playoffs between the Grizzlies and the Timberwolves. Last year, fans might be joking when they said the Grizzlies were actually more unstoppable without Morant. That kind of comments may be more serious this season, especially when the team's defensive resources are more concentrated on few players. The final team I want to mention are the Los Angeles Clippers. Paul George, one of their star duo, will for sure miss the first round of the playoffs, meaning that Kawhi Leonard, the other part of the star duo, will continue to carry. Bigger offensive and defensive loads. He should be able to do the job, but the loss to the Pelicans last week showed that the Clippers couldn't win by playing like this. Size is in the center of the Clippers' problems. Their defense grows better when Ivica Zubac plays center, but he drops down defensively and doesn't work outside the paint offensively. Both limit his role and playing minutes in the team's rotations. The Clippers introduce Mason Plumlee to remain big when Zubac takes a break and to. Add more options in their to their offense. Plumlee is quicker in defensive rotations and able to pass as a post in high block. These are what he can provide, but Zubas cannot. That doesn't change the fact that Plumlee is still a big man who is vulnerable in front of Jamal Murray, Morant, De'Aaron Fox, Devin Booker, Curry. Do I really need to go on when these small guys cough off screens and then try to attack? Plumlee in mismatch. Plumlee is not as trustworthy as Zubas in finishing or protecting the paint either. When Leonard and George joined hands in 2019 summer, 
One of the major reasons for people to believe that the Clippers would dominate the NBA for years to come was that the team built a competitive small ball squad that had both size and spacing. Unfortunately, that seems to be true today. Say, if the Clippers want to go small in the game, who do they have to play center? It cannot be Marcus Morris because he is nothing but toxic on both ends of the game now. It cannot be Robert Covington either because he hurts the spacing too badly. The only seemingly okay choice for center in a small ball squad for the Clippers is Nicholas Batum, but he can be trusted with moving the ball, switching in defense, and occasionally shooting threes. It will be too much to ask Batum to protect either the rebounds or the paint. There's also the problem of Russell Westbrook. It must be said that Westbrook has been playing in a calmer and more reasonable way in the Clippers than he did in any of his previous teams, but no one develops reliable shooting ability at the end of the season, especially after he keeps slipping in shooting for six straight years. So, does that mean the Clippers should bench Westbrook during the clutch time? Well, despite the fact that he is often left painfully open outside by namely Draymond Green against the Warriors, Westbrook is still the Clippers' best ball distributor. None of the rest of the, his teammates can do the job like he does. They have multiple loss series to prove that, including the one that they blew a three-to-one lead against the Nuggets. Like I mentioned in the previous episode. All champion candidates have problems, but they also have the ability and the advantage to remedy their defects. The three teams I just gave today—the Clippers, the Cavaliers, and the Grizzlies—cannot make up their deficiency, which separates them from the real title contenders. And I think that's all for today. Please let us know your thoughts under the post by CGTN Sports on Twitter. Hopefully, we'll be talking to you guys very soon next week. See you.